You're listening to episode 46 of the Becoming Aligned podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. My guests have found their own unique way to navigate through the distractions, the pressures, and the expectations of everyday life. And in the process, they have discovered the freedom to be truly themselves, to tune into their own heart, and to honor their own unique voice. I'll explore what motivates them, what challenges them, and what strategies help them work towards their goal in a way that nourishes their mind and body. I believe everyone has a story to share, and that we become a stronger community when we're able to listen and learn from those around us. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness. I'm a Chicago-based self-discovery mentor and Pilates instructor. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that it's not about perfection, but the process of becoming aligned. In this episode, I talked to Sarah Shah. She is the founder of Mother Yin, which is a holistic platform designed to help women find balance in their bodies, minds, and lives. This is something that you can see is absolutely a, a theme and a passion in Sarah's own life. And we talk about her own personal journey to finding balance. And she shares openly with us how 2020 became the year of coming back to her own body. It was really interesting to learn more about Mother Yin and the work she's doing there. We had such a lovely conversation around mindfulness and a woman's menstrual cycle, which is not necessarily a conversation that I personally have every day, but I do think it's an important one to have. And I love that through Mother Yin, she's allowing this to happen. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Sarah Shah. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me on the Becoming Aligned podcast. I am really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me, Maureen. I am excited to chat with you because you have such an interesting background. You have lived all over the world. And when I look at your website and learn a little bit more about you, I find out that you're a, a mindfulness consultant, travel and health journalist, meditation teacher, social researcher, and you're the founder of Mother Yin, a holistic resource for women to help them find balance in their bodies, minds, and lives. And I am just so curious about what inspires you to make the choices you have in your life and to maybe explore how that's evolved over time. And I just look forward to diving in and learning more about you and your journey. So I'm, I'm hoping you're, you're open to talking about all of that today. I am, and I'm so honored to be here and be able to share a bit more with you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. So I know I gave a bit of an introduction to you, but I'm sure there's so much more nuance that I left out. Can you please start us off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm a mindfulness meditation teacher. I'm a mental health journalist, and I tend to focus on women's health and mindfulness issues. And I'm the founder of Mother Yin, which is a holistic balancing platform for women. And it's all about helping women find balance in their bodies and their cycles because women are so often taking care of everyone else that they mm -hmm. don't have a chance to really sit down and take care of themselves and take a moment to just take a breath and see what's going on with their own bodies. And also just in today's world, there's really a lack of education surrounding women's health issues. And I've always been really interested in menstrual health and herbs to help my period feel less painful and all of those things. So I ended up starting Mother Yin to help with that. But it's mm. really just this, I'm a freelancer, so it's really just this mix of all these things that I enjoy doing that I'm passionate about. And I made the decision a few years ago to really do work that fulfills me rather than leaving me feeling depleted. So I, I truly enjoy all the little projects I do that have made up my career. Oh, I love it. And it's like you get to work on what's passionate, what you're passionate about. And I, I love that it includes like a variety of things that kind of blend together. Um, can you tell everyone where you're currently living? Where are you located right now? Sure. I'm actually in Paris, France right now. I moved here in late October. Wow. And I actually made the decision to move here after spending most of 2019 traveling around the world. I spent eight months in Bali, Indonesia, which was amazing. And then 
the pandemic happened and I wanted to be somewhere that was a little closer to my parents who are based in the States. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I'm a British American citizen. So I decided to finally settle down in Europe. Being a digital nomad, I, though I don't like that world, be, being uh, a remote worker uh, and having the world open to you is so amazing because everything's borderless and it feels magical until borders go up and mm. you realize you can't cross them. Hmm. And then this like liberal kind of free lifestyle fades away and you have to really figure out where you want to settle down and where you want to be. And I chose France. Oh, I love that. Oh, I can't wait to dive into that a little bit more as well. Um, but Sara, where did you grow up then? I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, so okay. just outside of Dallas. And I went to school there uh, K through 12. And then we spent the summers growing up in the UK. My, my mom's parents were based there, so my okay. grandparents were there. And we spent a lot of summers growing up there. And I think as a child, so many of your memories are really formed in the summertime. Mm. And so the UK had a big it was kind of a second home for all of us, for me and my brothers. And then my parents really gave us the gift of traveling when we were young. So I was able to explore quite a bit. And then as a teenager, I lived in Spain and France and in the Middle East and Jordan learning languages. Oh, wow. So it's just been a really rich uh, way to learn about the world and also to learn about myself in the process. Yeah, I can only imagine being exposed to so many different cultures and languages and, you know, everything that goes along with that just has to really, as you use, I love that you said, it, like enriches your experience. And um, I just imagine that has to help like shape, you know, the person you become. Um, how do you think it impacted you um, and maybe the journey that you kind of started to find yourself taking? Yeah, I always tell my parents that the best education they gave me was those those family trips growing up because mm. it really opened my mind to just, you know, different cultures, different languages, different belief systems. My parents always raised us to be so open-minded and to find the beauty in all these different cultures mm. and to just kind of go with the flow when you're in a new environment. And my parents are immigrants, so yeah. It just added a different layer to my upbringing as, you know, a kid growing up in, in the States, specifically in Texas, mm -hmm. and really formed a huge part of my foundation of how I saw the world and how I saw my place in it. And just this ability to like seamlessly mesh into other cultures. And I've always loved learning new languages. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it just turned into something where I wanted to have a job that wasn't necessarily at a desk in one city, but allowed me to travel whenever I wanted. I love that. When you were younger, what were the types of things that you would get lost and absorbed into? I'm always curious to explore if that had any impact on the person's, like the path that they went on. Like what were the types of things that little Zara would, Zara would uh, get caught up in and like lose track of time while doing? So it was definitely reading. I think my both of my parents would say I like consumed books, but it ah. wasn't necessarily just, you know, fiction. I loved nonfiction as a kid, especially when it was set somewhere else in the world. Mm. And so that was really fascinating to me. I went through a phase where I like read about all of the like European, well, actually royalty all over the world and how <laughs> some of them were like assassinated and how they were all very incestuous. It was yeah. very intense reading for like a 14 year old. <laughs> um, I may have been even younger. I may have been like 10 or 12 at the time, but it, it really just opened my eyes to the world and I wanted to go and experience all of these places. And then I was always a big fan with my granddad that actually, um, when we were in the UK, we would go on these little things he called adventures. Mm -hmm. So we'd ride our bikes and just go explore, you know, in our little town in the UK in the summers. And those adventures were such a defining part also, in addition to the adventures my parents took me on of my childhood, that I've just always had this desire to explore and to push myself and to go out of my comfort zone to grow. I love that. I love that. When I look at the... um. When I'm like looking at the arc of like your career and what you're doing, I'm I'm so curious what your first step was. Like, what did you study in undergrad? What in undergrad? What was the kind of the thing that you were immediately drawn to? 
Yeah, so I ended up studying political science and international relations, Mm. and I focused on the Middle East, specifically like the Syrian refugee crisis, and then I was also focusing on immigration policy in Europe and the rest of the world. And the refugee crisis, it was pretty new at the time, and it really wasn't being widely studied, but I had a professor who introduced me to it, and I did some research, and it just became such a defining part of of my my undergraduate career, just watching these people be displaced from their homes and mm. forced into adventures in a way that wasn't mm. as, you know, liberating as my my situation. Yeah. And it really built a lot of empathy up in me and this abil- this feeling to just help others. And I already had this love of different cultures and different foods and different environments. And I think that's probably what started my interest in mental health. Okay. Um, I kind of was like from international crises and politics, especially in the refugee crisis, I was reading about so many families, so many people who were just torn apart and then forced into these new countries or, you know, trying to escape to these new countries. And even though the the international organizations were dealing with their physical health, right, if they had a cut or a scrape, they weren't really dealing with their emotional or mental health. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit there in my college library, like crying over those articles mm. because even though they were statistics to, you know, the international organizations, to me, they were people who had lost, mm-hmm. lost families, lost lives. And that really became true for me when I lived in Jordan in college. And I really saw those families and interacted one-on-one with those refugees mm-hmm. and I just never could, you know, see them as as facts and figures after that. And I think it just really impacted how I viewed mental health on a global scale. That's so interesting. Was 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 that something you paid attention to before, like in your own life even was like, you know, taking care of your own mental health and wellness of something that was that you focused on before that? Or did that even open it up for how you um, kind of interacted with mental health and wellness? I think it was really a process. Mm. I think in high school and even when I was younger, you know, depression felt so taboo to talk about Mm -hmm. and uh, mental health too. And I really, I burned myself out in high school, which so many young teenagers do now with like extracurriculars and trying to get into good colleges and your SAT scores and APs. Mm -hmm. And I really did exhaust myself and I think that I started to notice like mental health things then but I didn't have words for them for Mm. like those feelings of depression or anxiety you know not being able to sleep before a test I didn't know what that was Mm -hmm. and I also think that in college it got a bit better and I like started to be more mindful of it but it really wasn't until the end of college when I went through Um, I was actually living in Brussels at the time and in Paris visiting, and I happened to be here one of the weekends there was a terrorist attack in 2015, Mm -hmm. and it really kind of triggered that fear response of really living in an unsafe place Mm -hmm. that I felt that so many refugees probably experienced on a daily Mm -hmm. basis, and I had only experienced for 48 hours, and it really messed me up for a couple months. Like, I couldn't hear sirens. Um, just basic PTSD symptoms. And then a few months later, I went through a bad breakup. And mm-hmm. all of those things kind of created the perfect storm for me to finally start therapy, to focus on my mental health, to focus on my physical health, taking care of my wellness, my sleep. And also, uh, I would say, I think my parents would also agree with this. I have always been really healthy in terms of what I eat. Mm-hmm. Like I never drank soda growing up. I never ate can like I would like occasionally have candy, but I was really mindful of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think it kind of came together when I was older and after college too, after all of those things, I realized, you know, caffeine makes me a little bit more anxious and, uh, you know, not taking care of my, my diet before my menstrual cycle can lead to worse cramps and little Mm. things like that started impacting this relationship between my mental health and my physical health and my body. And, that grew and has been growing the last six or seven years. Wow. So it seems like, you know, 
like I, th- I think we also are just always learning things that relate to our lives or we can we integrate what we're learning and we cast and start to you know piece these puzzles together for our lives and so as I'm listening to you talking about you learning about the refugee crisis and, and working in that area and um, starting to become interested in the mental health and sounds like kind of the way I'm hearing it, it sounds like you are also kind of growing in your own personal understanding as well um, and like, I'm just curious how that affected where you went next with everything. Like, what were the areas of interest and how did you want to kind of help? Um, and it seems like you wanted to be of service based on the things that you started doing in terms of becoming, um, you know, a meditation or mindfulness consultant and things along those lines. So I'm just curious how that kind of continued to evolve and shift for you. Yeah, I think... The first shift was a very personal one. Mm. I was working in, I was between New York and San Francisco working in corporate jobs. And I had always thought I was going to become a lawyer and, you know, go on this very defined path. And I think I realized after being in that, that situation, that trauma induced situation Mm -hmm. in Paris during the attacks, Slowly and slowly, I realized how important it was to really do what I loved because, you know, tomorrow you never know what can happen. Yeah. And it kind of became, you know, your early 20s is such a weird time to have that realization. I feel like most people have it later on in life. Mm -hmm. And it really made me start thinking about, you know, sitting in those jobs. I was like, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. And that just became clearer and clearer to me. And I'm really not one who can, like, I'm so driven and so passionate about what I do that if I'm in a situation where I don't feel like mm. that, that feeling's being fulfilled internally, I can't stay in it. And I think it drove probably the people around me, specifically my parents and my friends, a little crazy because I completely went off course of what was expected of me and what even internally I expected of myself. Mm. And I think it just naturally became from this like point of wanting to find fulfillment, I went more into mindfulness and finding a point of internal satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I joke that meditation is the first thing that taught me that I wasn't an expert at anything Mm -hmm. I had thought I was an expert on previously, the refugee crisis, political science, international relations, all of that. And now it's the one thing I'm considered an expert in. Yeah. Like, as my job, I'm like a senior meditation consultant. I'm considered an expert with other consulting organizations in the mindfulness space. And it's really the thing that taught me I'm not an expert at anything. And everything's just this process of learning and kind of doing away with your fixed ideas of how things should be and how you should be. Mm. And letting whatever's supposed to happen, happen next. Oh, I love that. And I am so curious of what that looked like for you at the time. Because I can imagine like um, shifting, you know, course and shifting um, paths there. Um, Yeah. And like you said, in your early 20s, I do think you're right. I think this is something that a lot of people wake up to later in life. It's like, wait, this isn't this. I can't keep doing this any longer. And you realize that at a younger age, it sounds like. and like, was that scary for you? Was that, or did it just feel right? And you're like, I know this is what I have to do. And where did you get resistance from those around you? And how did you manage that? It was terrifying. <laughs> it was like, honestly, I, I, I mean, I lost a complete sense of who I was and who I had been working towards becoming. And that's mm. a really scary feeling. And I, I'm sure it's even scarier if you find yourself having those feelings in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. And I guess I'm a little lucky it happened earlier because it was less less years to unravel, less baggage to put down. Mm. But I think that, yeah, I think that it was terrifying, but it was also liberating. Yeah. And mindfulness became my point of refuge and the place where I could sit in silence just as a meditation student and kind of listen to what was going on inside of me, which was really powerful at the time when it felt like there was no ground beneath me and I didn't know who I was or what I was becoming. And I think that 
you know, I, I actually became a meditation teacher only because I wanted to teach my friends because it had been such a powerful tool for me and teach mm. my family and share it with my loved ones. And I did not think at all that it would become a vocation or a job or a way I earned money. <laughs> and it just kind of, it was a serendipitous event that turned into being able to work on something and write about something and yeah, really share a skill that really helped me. So I'm really, really grateful to have found it when I did at that point in my life. I love that. And I love that even your, it actually reminds me of myself when you mentioned that you wanted to teach it just to share with, you know, the, the people you care about, the people in your immediate community and um, that you didn't expect that it was going to blossom into a career in a way that you earn money. It's it's so interesting because I don't think we always you know, know what, what that might be for us. And like, I know for myself, I used to be a PE and health teacher and um, I started taking Pilates and then I'm like, oh, I want to share this with my students. And so I only started, you know, the program to learn how to teach Pilates because I thought I would share it with the students that I was working with. I didn't realize that there was just going to be this whole other kind of journey that I went on with it, you know, and that I would be teaching Pilates to adults and all of that. But it's just so interesting when you kind of follow that thing inside of you and to see where it leads and you and you just kind of exploring it and being curious. Um, and I, I'm curious for, I'm curious actually even with you, that what was it that kind of made you take that step? Like, oh, I'm just doing this to enrich my friends' lives and my life. And now I want to kind of expand that. What kind of flipped the switch for you? That's a great question. Uh, I think that it, yeah, I started just doing women's circles in my apartment in New York City at the time where oh. I was living and doing the meditation training. And I, it was just with my friends and my friends would bring friends and it slowly grew every month. And it was just a group of us women sitting together and I saw how profoundly it would impact them. And even old friends, friends from high school and college, uh, they'd walk into my apartment and they'd be like, what journey have you been on? Because I'd have like the candles lit and the like circle drawn out and they're like, who are you? Um, but it, it was really nice because I saw these, these same people that I grew up with, it touched them in a way, mm. people who I'd never see meditating. I mean, I never thought I would be meditating and they would cry. They would have these really profound experiences and seeing that impact on my friends and those close to me was really powerful. But especially when I, you know, when I could finally convince my parents are both, uh, Western physicians, mm. when I could finally convince them to sit down and meditate, it was really nice to, well, first of all, it was just hilarious. I'd be like, okay, breathe in. And I'd open my eyes as I was guiding them and I'd watch them like inhale. And then I'd be like, breathe out. They'd exhale and I'd want to burst out laughing. <laughs> Because it was just so funny, first of all, that they were listening to yes. me, and second of all, that they were actually trying. It was it was just something I was like, okay, if they are willing to try, mm. then it's a skill that can not only help them, but so many other people. And it just naturally transformed into something I started doing um, as, as work. I love that. Um now, Sarah, you're also a travel and health journalist then too. Like how does that work into into your into your life? Is that something that you're currently still spending time doing? Yeah, that is something I'm currently spending time doing. It's more of a freelance kind of thing that I do as I feel like it, mm. which is really great. And just today I wrote an article on intention setting and why it's better to set intentions rather than resolutions for mm -hmm. 2021. Mm -hmm. And I just enjoy writing. I think it just naturally comes from my love of reading. So it's been something that's fun, even though it doesn't pay the bills, really. It's just a fun way to exercise that passion. But it's also why I ended up starting Mother Yin, the holistic mm -hmm. women's platform, as a newsletter, because it was... I found that in writing for other publications, there was still a little bit of, you know, either my voice being dulled down or editors taking out what I really wanted to include mm. or not accepting the pitches I thought would be helpful for readers. So I was like, I'll just do it myself. Mm. And it transformed into, into Mother Yin. Okay. So I would love to hear you tell us a little bit more about Mother Yin and um, what was the inspiration for it and what you're working on currently with it. 
Yeah, sure. So it's actually really funny, the story of how it started. I was living in Bali, Indonesia. This was fall of 2019, and I had a good friend there. And I was meeting with him over lunch, and I was like, I have the best idea. And he was like, okay, what is it? And I was like, I'm going to open a place in New York City where women can menstruate together. And it'll be like a cafe where we all check into a hotel in New York and just have our periods. And he was laughing and he was like, yeah, I think that's a great idea, but maybe you should like think of something else. I was like, what, you think like a period hotel in a major city isn't a great idea? And um, so Weatherian transformed from that grand idea into something a bit smaller, which is a bi-monthly newsletter that is actually sent on the full and new moons because historically when we lived in tribal societies, women bled on the new and full moon. Okay. Which is really, it's an interesting anthropological mm-hmm. fact. And I just decided to share the education I had learned, what had helped me with my cycle, uh, you know, from being burnt out, from having hormonal imbalances, from just being able to exercise a bit more mindfulness when it came to my menstrual cycle through meditation, through other practices like that. I decided to share that with other women and it grew really naturally. I haven't done any advertising or anything, but people from all over the world have subscribed. Oh. And it's just women interested in a free resource to help them find balance. And there are even men subscribe to it now because it's really mindfulness oriented too. Mm. And it allows them to get a little extra education on women's health, which is really so lacking. Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I feel like that's something that we just, we don't talk much about in this society, you know, or not nearly enough. Um, And it can be a taboo topic in so many ways. So even your idea of that period hotel, it's like, wait, whoa, like that's so like, I mean, even though that's something that, you know, women menstruating together is something rooted in like our history in many ways, right? In tribal, you know, communities. And, um, but we've kind of become disconnected from that. So that's, that's fascinating. I'm I'm curious for you, what was it hormonal imbalances or what was it for you that brought you to this interest in understanding um, of writing about this in this detail and putting this out there? Yeah, it was just, I mean, I remember that I've always been really interested in my cycle and hormonal health. Got it. Like I started tracking my cycle when I was like 14 mm-hmm. um, and just keeping track of you know, when I was menstruating, when I wasn't. And I think that cycle awareness has just always been built into me. And then I tried birth control. I'm actually a pretty petite woman. So I tried birth control in college two times and it really just wrecked havoc on my system. It made me depressed and anxious. And I just didn't understand when the doctor, which doctors tell so many women that, oh, you just have to try it for a few months and it'll get better. I was like, why should I do that to my body? Why should Mm -hmm. I like be miserable for a few months to get better. Mm-hmm. And I I ended up being like, no, this isn't right. My I don't know if it's because my body is petite or my body isn't reacting to it well, but I don't want to do this. So it just heightened this sense of, you know, practicing cycle awareness really in a society that where we've really sh- like set aside our cycles through IUDs and mm-hmm. um, birth control and all these kinds of things. And I actually met a few women in Bali who were trying to become pregnant. They were in their 30s, but they had been on uh, hormonal birth control for so long that they were having some problems getting pregnant, which isn't an uncommon story. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought it would be helpful to share an educational resource because I like I love drinking certain herbal teas and I had started drinking spearmint tea every morning to help balance my cycle because it helps with, you know, balancing the cycle and then other things like uh, maca root powder. So I'd just done all this research on my own and knew these little things that help the body. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, why don't I share this? Because I'm, I'm sharing it with friends. And obviously not as like a medical mm. practitioner, but just as a friend who's like, hey, this worked for me. Maybe it could work for you. Obviously talk to your doctor first, but try it out. I love it. And it's it's reminding me of your um, meditation circles in a certain sense. Like, just starting to, you know, share with friends and noticing that it sounds like, it, you know, it's resonating and then just starting to expand that scope of what you're doing. 
Yeah, and it's been growing really well. And I actually, in Bali, created a herbal tea for each mm. week of the woman's cycle to help encourage mindful mindfulness around your cycle. So really being able to track your own cycle. Say, okay, this week I'm... Uh, you know, in my luteal phase, or I'm going through PMS, this week I'm menstruating. And they're really just herbs that are meant to enhance the cycle, not to fix it in any way, Mm. but to just allow you to become more mindful. And also just take a mindful minute in your day as a woman to be like, this is my cup of tea, this is my time for me. Mm -hmm. Because so many women in, you know, relationships or women who are moms or taking care of, you know, their older parents, they don't get that time to really slow down and connect with their own bodies. So it's really important for us to do that. I love it. So it sounds like it's integrating that mindfulness and meditation aspect and, you know, bringing it to your body and to your cycle and helping women just to take some time for themselves um, and connect with their body. I think that's really beautiful. And these teas, that's so interesting. So it's just like a different tea for the different days of the cycle. And it just enhances. It's not there to like take your pain away or to, you know, I feel like I feel like we don't really work with our cycle. We don't really always work with our bodies. We sometimes kind of work against it. Um, but it sounds like the, I love the way you said enhance. Um, yeah. Tell me more about what you mean by that. Yeah. So I so all of the ingredients are scientifically supported. I made sure to make sh- to, you know, base everything on the science. I think it's just a result of having physicians as parents. Mm -hmm. I always go back to the research. But they're really, I wanted them to be delicious. I've always been Mm -hmm. a tea lover. I love exploring different cultures through their their tea. And, you know, tea is that universal beverage that, like, everyone everywhere in the world has and uses to connect. And the teas are just meant to really when I say enhance, they're, they have scientifically backed ingredients to help the hormonal fluctuations at that point in mm. the cycle. So like they actually do the period tea, the one that's meant for your menstrual week actually does help ease cramps. Mm. Like I don't take Advil anymore. Uh, I will drink that the first two days of my cycle and it, it actually helps. I was even surprised I think, <laughs> before I started selling it. I told a friend, I was like, I'm on my period and I drank the tea and my cramps went away and it worked and I was just so happy that that, you know, that blend I had come up with myself and then use this nutrition backed research to support actually worked. And obviously I needed to be my own guinea pig. And then I tried it with some friends and other people and they said the same thing. And then with the, like, for example, the ovulation tea, when we're ovulating, we really experience a boost in endorphins and we're more energized and we feel a bit happier and lighter and I chose ingredients that would kind of boost that sense of euphoria. Nothing, you know, drug, nothing that's enhancing in terms of like a drug or psychedelic mm-hmm. effect, but just, you know, simple ingredients like orange or orange peel or something like that that's naturally proven like mm-hmm. as an essential oil to help boost your mood too. Very cool. And so this was just something you would, you were learning on your own testing on yourself, sharing with friends, and noticing that it was resonating with people and wanted to put that out into the world. How, how long How long have you been working on this aspect of your business and how long has Mother Yin been in existence? Yeah, so Mother Yin has been in existence for over a year now, actually, but I officially launched the newsletter in January. Okay. Of last year, so it's been, it'll its anniversary is coming up soon, but the idea of And the formation of all this stuff started last October 2019. And then the teas quickly just became a part of it after because I was featuring an herb that women could use to help balance their cycle, just like I had mentioned in those conversations Mm -hmm. with women. And I was like, you know, I love tea. I've always loved tea. And I'm very picky about tea and I really want it to taste good and be something that I enjoy drinking and I love sharing that stuff with friends. So I decided to contract a luxury tea brand in Bali, Indonesia, where I would meet with them and come up with the ingredients and the ratios. And then we worked together and it was a long and arduous process. Three or four months. Yeah. Of finalizing the teas. And I actually, I have a menopause tea too, because I felt that women 
who are menopausal are often left out of the period market yes. and they shouldn't be. So I wanted to include them too. And yeah, those teas are all ready to go. And I was actually hoping to launch them officially this summer, this past summer, but COVID happened yes. to all of us. So they've been soft launched and they've done really well with uh, users. I had one user whose uh, father actually tried the tea when he was over at her house and he was like I love this can you order me some packages and she was like I just want to make sure that this isn't gonna like hormonally alter my dad and I was like no everything's safe for a partner or a husband or a dad to drink too they're that's why I say cycle enhancing mm. because they're really not gonna like you know change your your hormonal health too much right. they'll just enhance it and yeah, the reception's been really good, and I'm hoping to officially launch, uh, you know, come spring 2021, when the world's a, hopefully a bit more normal. Yes. Yeah, I find it so interesting that, you know, launching at this time, um, I'm just, I'm curious what that experience was like for you. Was that something that was just tricky to navigate? Um, or with the newsletter, did you find a lot of people kind of coming, is that maybe what drew people to you also is just to have that focus on themselves and the mindfulness um, and all of that. What did you notice for yourself? I definitely noticed that the newsletter has been growing on its own without mm. like through just through word of mouth. So I'm sure friends are finding it helpful and then sharing it with other friends, which is, yeah, I didn't really notice this friend theme until I, until I started talking yeah. to you today, but <laughs> it really seems to be a friend something just about friendship and the communication mm. between friends and friends helping each other out and sharing what they've learned. But I really think it's just growing through word of mouth all over the world, which has been magical. And I had just launched a tease in the U.S. So it was nice to see that they were still doing well. People were buying them. People love them. But I do think, you know, there's a, a financial crisis at the moment, and it is really hard launching a luxury wellness product mm -hmm. that – you know, people are just trying to make ends meet at the moment. So I'm hoping yeah. that when the economy is a bit better, it will be something that will really help. And a big part of the tea is actually, it's like a full circle. It goes back to the refugee crisis. Mm. Um, so for every tea set sold, I donate menstrual pads to refugee women around the world. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, so um, reusable pads that these refugee women can, uh, you know, use because that's really one of the big things that women in these situations don't have. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for them. And I'm sure it's just, you know, this natural thing that happens to us as women. And you talked about the taboo earlier, yeah. that it is such a point of shame in today's society and it doesn't have to be, but I want to be able to provide those resources. And I want Mother Yin and, you know, the women drinking Mother Yin tea to know that they're giving back in some way. Yeah. No, I was absolutely just even thinking about that with the tea for you. I was curious, even with your travels and, um, you know, just how it's received in, in different cultures. And I know, and I know for myself, when I was younger, it was not something we talked about. I'm like, you know, mid to late forties. Right. And then when I was a teacher, I mentioned I taught PE, I'd have a student like Miss Ryan, I'm on my period just so openly. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The first time <laughs> <laughs> it was not like something that my my age group and my friends would like kind of openly share like that and so it was kind of refre it was refreshing though but and it gave me an opportunity to talk to them about all of that and but I just remember you know noticing that okay you know at least in this culture and that I'm kind of around that there's a bit more openness about this it seems and the younger generation is talking more about that but then I know in other cultures you know even just having menstrual pads and things like that is um, not always available so it just makes me curious, um, even in terms of, this is maybe a bizarre question, Sara, but like even in terms of marketing it, I guess, is this something that you think about in terms of how you're sharing it or is this something you just put out openly? Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And I think that I love that anecdote you have of, you know, young girls in PE class. Yeah. That was totally me when I went to my school nurse when my period started. I was like, I have my period. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was like, it was almost something I was proud of, you know, mm, at that age before mm -hmm. all the taboo kicked in and before it was something I had to be embarrassed of. Like mm. I felt proud to have my period and to know what it was because my mom had like just had the talk with me like a few months beforehand. Um, 
And I think that, no, it's, it's such a good point. And yes, I have noticed in different cultures. I mean, I was living in Indonesia and in Indonesia, it's such a point of shame, Mm. uh, you know, and women don't talk about it openly. And, you know, I think it's something, and you know, I myself as like a children of immigrants, Mm -hmm. it's always been something that's like hush, hush in the Mm -hmm. house. And even my grand, like I'm way more open about it with my mom and even with my dad, I think despite him is probably being uncomfortable (laughs) about it. And just the culture of, you know, my family being Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with it. And I had two younger brothers, so I was Mm -hmm. very open with it. I'd be like, I'm on my period, I'm cramping. (laughs) And I think it did, I I think it probably helped my brothers be more conscious of it. But I know that in so many other households, it wasn't normal to talk about, you know, and regardless of culture, Mm -hmm. uh, it's still such a taboo kind of everywhere. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, you know, I have this line in Mother Yen and actually in one of the articles I've, I've written before, but it says maybe we should stop ending the taboo by stop, like we need to stop asking for pads and tampons in a hushed voice yeah. in our office, like it's some kind of drug deal. Like we need to <laughs> openly be like, I need a pad because I'm on my period. Mm-hmm. And I really encourage women, even in Mother Yen, I'm like, share that you're on your period. Just start the conversation. Be like, I'm cramping right now, or I need a menstrual pad or a menstrual cup or mm-hmm. something because we're the ambassadors of our own our own wellness and our own lives. And yeah, menstruation has been kind of taboo and shushed for a while, but it wasn't always like that. Yeah. You know, in tribal societies, it was something that was celebrated. And I think those young girls still feel that in some way where it is something we can openly talk about before society tells us we can't. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so interesting to hear you talk about. And I, I do agree. Like it's, you know, it's like we can't address, like we. it's important to just be, open about what we're experiencing and I think you know even men like how you mentioned your brothers probably being impacted in a positive way by having someone in the home that is like expressing that and knowing that's just like the normal process of life that women deal with and I think um I think it's important for that to be something that's out there and known about and in many ways just like I don't know, I think it can give a level of respect and understanding, (laughs) you know, that women go through this and experience it. And um, rather than hiding it or having that sense of shame that I think has been maybe ingrained in us. Um, So I think it's just fascinating to have a conversation about. So thank you for uh, kind of opening that up. Yeah, and I totally agree. I think, you know, even Mother Yin has some men who are subscribed and like the dad the token dad who loved the tea. Mm -hmm. I think that it's been um, something that men actually enjoy and are receptive to talking about. Uh, Friends I met in Bali, uh, partners I've had, you know, they are open to talking about it and to learning more. And that's something they want to learn more about. And it really is just this gap in education that exists for not just women, but also Mm -hmm. men that we need to close together. It's not necessarily just, you know, this women's right super feminist thing that we need to do we need to work with the men to come up with a solution and that's actually why I call mother yin mother yin because mm. you know yin is one side of the coin we also need the yang to mm. balance everything out so we need the men's help too I love that um what have you been learning and discovering for yourself throughout this experience and you know even throughout 2020 I guess um I find that I think we're all kind of going through this process of a little bit of discovery if we have the time available for ourselves to do this and we're not in um, survival position like physicians might be right now or things like that, healthcare workers. Um, but if we have some time to reflect um, and pay attention, I'm, I'm curious what you've been learning and discovering for yourself. Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I think that I kind of said this uh, the first time we spoke, but I think the the thing 2020 is teaching me is that it's it's really been the year of coming back to my body. And it's mm. so funny because I started this holistic platform. It, Mother Yin's like slogan is balancing your body, mind, and life. And, you know, I had my mind pretty balanced. Uh, I had my life relatively balanced, but I did not have my body balanced. Mm. I mean, I was traveling around the world, which sounds really glamorous, but it takes such a toll on your body. Mm. Um, 
I wasn't sleeping enough, you know, I was, and I was launching a, you know, a, a brand, a company. And it's so funny to be the founder of a holistic and wellness platform and feel burnt out mm-hmm. and like you're not sleeping. And I had friends commenting on that too. They were like, you're doing too much. You're exhausting yourself. You're not taking a break. And that was how 2020 started. I was trying to finalize all these teas before I left Bali for a few months. I was trying to get everything balanced and I, I wasn't sleeping. I was just burning myself out. And 2020 is really month after month been a reminder to slow down, to do less mm. and to to be able to go with the flow more and not hold myself to such high standards and be okay with focusing on my body first because my body is really, you know, in all these travels, I realize my body is really my only home mm-hmm. <laughs> and I yeah. need to take care of that home first before I can really you know, it's just the idea of like, a, you know, when you come from a broken home or you come from a dysfunctional home, it, things mm-hmm. are a little, you know, crazier, or harder, you know, it impacts you. And it's really the same for your body. Like your body is your one home. And if you're not taking care of it or if it's in shambles, mm-hmm. it really impacts all the other aspects of your life. So 2020 has really been a year of learning to really listen to and take care of my body. Mm-hmm. What? Like, I love that. And I'm just wondering for you, and it's always like a process of discovery, I feel like, but for you, what have you been like, how, how have you been practicing and starting to implement that and test to see what works well for you? What have you been kind of discovering for yourself? Yeah, so I would say the biggest thing I'm doing is taking breaks, mm. like really listening to my body and taking breaks when I need to or ask, you know, I, I'm the type of person I always have been who will like push myself and push myself to exhaustion and for as long as I can remember. And burnout is such a real thing and it's happening to everyone Mm -hmm. right now. We are all exhausted because the, that boundary between working from home and living at home Mm -hmm. is just a mess. Like it doesn't exist. So it's really been taking breaks and being okay with doing nothing and just taking days where I actually take a real break. Cause yeah. you know, being an entrepreneur and especially balancing lots of different projects, you know, whether you're, a, I mean, I'm sure just being a parent, like balancing, taking care of your kid, work, your own life, your mm-hmm. own project, like it just gets exhausting, whatever point in life you're at. And I think that being okay with saying, okay, I need a break and asking others too, when your body's feeling a little down, being okay with moving things back a little bit. Like I moved this interview yeah. back a week cause I was feeling, you know, burnt out and tired mm-hmm. and my body was not doing well. So yeah. I knew I wouldn't be in the best shape and rest was what I really needed. And it's a little uncomfortable for me to ask for those things mm-hmm. because I have always been someone who will just do it. Yeah. But I've really tried to become better at asking, you know, for a little bit of extra time for an extension uh, and then just really honoring my weekends as a kind of vacation from the week. Yeah. And then my mornings and my evenings, just really protecting them, learning how to like log off of the computer at six and divide home life from work life. Yeah, I love that. Um and I think I think you hit it right, you know, the nail on the head there with with this lack of, you know, working from home and having your life there as well as like kind of creating these, you know, these these boundaries like for yourself in terms of, you know, shutting it down and having a transition from work day to, you know, the, the rest of your day and your evening and things like that. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's really important. And I understand like this idea of taking a break. It can be hard um, or even just advocating for yourself. And I I know I actually personally on the receiving end, like I actually really appreciate when someone advocates for themselves and says, you know, I can I push it back? Can I do this? Because I know then we're going to have the best experience. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, it's like even my Pilates, you know, cl- you know, clients who are you know, will let me know, like, I'm going to just need to take a day off. It's like, that's as long as, you know, as long as I do it respectfully and it's not something where there's like last minute cancellations all the time and that type of thing. But when you know that that person is advocating for themselves, I don't know, maybe it's like within me because I think it's so important, but I like to encourage that because I feel like that's really hard for so, so many of us. 
And I think the more we can kind of give each other grace with it, (laughs) the more we're going to hopefully become a society and a culture who starts to allow that more. So that's my hope anyway. Um, And I think you you summed it up perfectly by saying the more we can give each other grace with mm -hmm. that, because it's really just, you know, giving giving each other permission to do it because it's so hard internally to just give ourselves permission to do it. Yeah. That when someone else is like, oh, yeah, that's fine. It's just magical. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a sense of relief. Like, okay, because we can make it so hard within our brain and with our body and it can just cause so much stress. And then it's like, okay, I did that and it was okay, you know? And so, so I love that. I love that. Um, Yeah. Sara, anything else you'd like to share with us? about Mother Yin or about what you're up to these days. Um, You're up to so many interesting things. It's just, it's been fun to learn about all of your projects. Um, And I want to make sure I'm not missing anything that you're up to. Uh, No, you're not missing anything. That's that's pretty much all of it. I, I feel like I'm trying to spend 2021 streamlining everything and really focusing on a few personal projects. Uh, there's a book I'm working on about my time in Bali. So yeah, that's something that I really have tried to make time for all year, but haven't been able to. So it's really, you know, prioritizing what, what matters to me, which I think is just a constant process and a constant learning, but I'm trying to become better about that in 2021, or at least that's my intention. And then with Mother Yin, I would love to have people subscribe to the newsletter if they're interested, man or a woman, um, because I feature a meditation uh, in every newsletter, which uh, readers typically love. Uh, that's just a moment of reprieve and a reminder to slow down and take care of their bodies. Oh, I love that. Oh, and I know you offered this earlier, and before I get to it, though, I want to go back because um, yeah. I was thinking about inviting you to share med- you know, a mindfulness breath with us. But I, you mentioned that book and it just sparked my curiosity, Sara. And um, I'm curious what, like, about your time in Bali. What is it that you want to like are – you, are you still shaping the book or is it something in, that you have um, kind of a message or an intention that you want to share or get across with the book that's kind of brewing in your head right now? Yeah, I'm – I have the outline, you know, it's it's easier writing a nonfiction book. I've written a, a fiction book before that oh, wow. hasn't been published, but um, nonfiction's easier because you know the story because yeah. it's your own and you've lived it. So it's really just, you know, I've loved reading travel books, uh, especially recently. They've been really fascinating to me and probably the last few years, uh, They've just been something that sparked my interest even more. And I noticed most of them are written by men. Mm. Very few of them are written by women who travel alone because it's so hard for us to Mm -hmm. just be like, okay, I'm going to grab my backpack and hop to the other side of the world. And there was so much fear as a woman alone traveling like that, as a woman of color traveling Mm. abroad alone. I'm fairly petite. Um, so it was it was scary. And, mm-hmm. you know, I did it. I left New York and did that because I really wanted to. I think it's just been this constant theme since I've been growing up, thanks to my parents and my grandparents of pushing my boundaries and getting mm-hmm. out of my comfort zone. And I had kind of promised myself I would do that after I finished my master's in New York. Mm-hmm. So I did. And I am so much stronger because of it, because of that time alone, that independence, that really having to figure stuff out in a completely different culture without knowing anyone or the language or the way of life. Mm. And it just, I grew in so many ways, but also I think traveling alone, just writing that story from a woman's perspective is so important. I love that because you're so right. It's, 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 I know it can be like, um, it can be a block for people because there's that fear and maybe there's not as many models or examples of women who are doing it. So being able to have a voice out there, that can make a, yeah, that can really make a, a difference. I think, Sarah, I love that. I love that idea. All right. Yeah. I can't. It, and I, I think that also so many, uh, you know, women wait, like I, I met a lot of women in Bali who are like, Oh, my boyfriend's coming or my husband's coming. So I'm going to wait until he comes before I go do that scarier thing, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And I didn't have, 
a, a boyfriend or a husband to do that with. So it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And it took me a bit longer, like to learn how to ride the motorbike, to do all those things that are considered, you know, typically more manly or whatever. And it was just such a growing and liberating process. And to just know I can do those things on my own has made me just feel so much stronger. But also no one, everyone talks about the glamour of traveling alone, but no one talks about like the loneliness you feel Mm, too. mm -hmm. So there were just all these interesting themes that came up uh, that I think that are important to be shared with people. Yeah, like taking a holistic look at it, like looking at it yeah. in the full picture. I feel like that with even like small businesses. Um, it's like, oh, you work for yourself. How amazing. And it is in so many ways, but there's other aspects of, and challenges um, that come along with it. And I think it's always important that we just talk about like the full picture and the full experience of things. So I love that you're doing that with, or that that's your plan and idea to work on within this book. And you're, I can't wait to hear more about it. I know books are a long process, but <laughs> um, yeah, but... hopefully it'll it'll all come together. The teas and the books. Yes. Oh, I love it. Well, Sarah, you were so kind to mention when we were talking earlier, um, before we kind of started the podcast, that you'd be willing to share, you know, a bit of a mindful breath at the end. And I would love to invite you to do that with everyone if if that's something, you know, you're you're open to. It's been such a pleasure to get to hear your story and uh, to see all of the influences um, and all of the good that you're putting out there and sharing information and kind of sharing your experience in just a very open way. I think it's 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 really beautiful. So thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'd love to share a mindful minute with everyone uh, just so we can close together and practice a bit of presence and just coming into our bodies after the conversation we just had that was so focused on my body. (laughs) Um, So if you want to just take a moment to allow your feet to touch the ground and just lengthen your back a little bit, relax the shoulders and gently close down the eyes. And then just taking a nice big deep breath in through the mouth or the nose, holding it at the top. And then slowly exhaling. And just focusing for a few more moments on the sensation of your body breathing. So maybe feeling your chest, rise and fall, feeling your belly move as you breathe in and out, just feeling the body enter and leave the breath, and then just slowly Taking one last big deep breath in and out. And gently beginning to move your fingers and your toes. Maybe rolling your shoulders or moving them up and then down. And gently opening your eyes. Thank you all so much for practicing with me today and for listening to me talk for a little while. Thank you, Sara, for sharing your story and for sharing that mindful minute with us. And I feel just even just much more grounded and connected after after doing that and getting to hear your experience and, and your story. So thank you so much for joining me and, and being a part of the Becoming Aligned podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Sarah. It was so interesting to learn more about her personal journey and to get to see how the different areas of her background and her expertise come together. I love how she's been able to take what she's learned for herself about finding balance in her body, mind, and her own life and share that with her family and friends. And then when she gets to see how they react to it, she gets to continue to put that out into the world and continue for it to like ripple out from that starting point of her own experience, which I thought was really cool and really neat to kind of get to see in action. 
I also really appreciated our conversation about the work she is doing with Mother Yin and how that work can really help open up the conversation about the menstrual cycle and women's health in general. I think it's so important that we are able to have conversations and share our own experiences in order to care for ourselves and for each other. What did you find yourself thinking about and reflecting on after listening to this episode? Please share on my website at maureenryan.co or on my Instagram page, maureen underscore ryan underscore. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you would subscribe to my newsletter, the Becoming Aligned newsletter that I send out pretty much weekly. Um, Almost every Sunday, I send out a little note sharing my reflections on becoming aligned and different resources and thoughts and ideas um, so that we can begin to implement it more and more into our lives. So I would love for you to be a part of that as well. And you can find information about that on my website at maureenryan.co. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I really appreciate you being here and I hope to hear from you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.